Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. Workplace policies and procedures can range from token, legally compliant paragraphs in a handbook, right up to things that can transform workplace culture. So when it comes to dignity at work policies, what can we do to ensure that our policies are embedded in our organizations and support our employees through these tough situations? So to hopefully answer this question and many more, we're delighted to be joined again by Megan Power, HR consultant here at Inside HR. Thanks for joining us again, Megan. How are you? I'm good, Owen. Good to be here. And, stuff. and as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. Back again, Mary. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. I, I'm kind of always here, aren't I? That's it. That's it. And, and, and delighted to have you. So brilliant. So look, we'll jump right in anyway. Um, Megan, I'll come to yourself first, uh, if that's all right. So again, we kind of want to just talk about, I suppose, dignity at work policies and procedures. I know we've spoken about um, the ins and outs of bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, that kind of stuff with Joe and Liam over the past couple of weeks. Just, to, I suppose, to kind of take a look at the policies and procedures, that kind of stuff. So, Megan, I suppose, might be a bit of a, a blue sky question, but what are some of the kind of key elements that should be included when people are looking at making a comprehensive dignity at work policy? Yeah, absolutely. So your dignity at work policy is going to be governed by your two codes of practice. And you've one on the prevention and resolution of workplace bullying and the other on ha- harassment and sexual harassment. So although there are two separate codes, um, it's not uncommon for companies to meet the standards set in these under one comprehensive uh, dignity at work policy. And both of these codes contain detailed guidance on what policies on both preventing bullying, harassment, sexual harassment and promoting dignity in the workplace should look like. So when we talk about comprehension, comprehensive it really isn't unusual for your policy on dignity at work to be a number of pages long on um, as it should cover everything from scope, so who the policy applies to, um, to the definitions of, of each bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, um, to clear examples um, of what might constitute these, um, right through to your informal and formal complaints procedures, um, and also dealing with things like malicious disclosures, victimization, that sort of thing. Um, in respect to bullying, the code goes one step further and details that it should be developed in consultation with employees and following which, because bullying falls under the health and safety legislation, companies should prepare a safety statement based on an assessment of bullying in the workplace. Um, so there is a lot to consider um, in order to make your dignity at work policy comprehensive and compliant. Absolutely. And I suppose then, Mary, when it comes back to the, the purpose, and I know it's clear from the legislation, and I think, I mean, there's obvious reasons as to why we need these policies, but I suppose, Mary, what's kind of the goal of a dignity at work policy and how important is it to, to have one in your organisation? Because I know obviously not every company out there will have one, but how important is it? What's the goal? What's the purpose? 
the goal and purpose is to create an environment where people are respected in the workplace, bottom line, and that people can come into a safe and secure environment in which they aren't subjected to inappropriate behaviours or targeted behaviours in the workplace. And, you know, I suppose we do a lot of workplace investigations here at Insight HR and we see, I suppose, the, the dark side of when things go wrong in a workplace and when people behave inappropriately towards each other or target someone and behave inappropriately. Um, and, you know, that's that's the worst position in an organisation can be in because they spend a lot of money and they spend a lot of time um, looking at these things and I, I guess making decisions around whether behaviour was appropriate or not. Um, and, and it's really stressful. It's really stressful for everybody involved. And to me, there's a very good argument uh, for avoiding ever getting to that stage. It starts with the policy, but the policy has to be supported with culture um, and the culture has to be supported by training um, of your line managers, of your senior people um, to ensure that you're creating an environment um, that you outline in your policy document. And to me, it's one of the biggest problems with um, with bullying in the workplace or sexual harassment in the workplace is that often there is a lovely document sitting there um, in a book or on an internet or in, in some portal that the organization has. And yet everybody knows that there's um, inappropriate behaviours happening in the workplace and the policy document does not support the culture and the behaviours in the business. Um, So to me, it's key. The policy is the starting point, but it absolutely is an all-encompassing, I suppose, piece of work that an organization needs to do. And I would argue that you should be, you know, uh, reviewing your policy document constantly. You should be looking at how you can bring it to life um, in, in terms of sharing it with people, whether that's maybe through videos, internal podcasting, town halls. You know, how can you get this out to people um, and make people understand what's appropriate and what's inappropriate work. So, you know, certainly when it comes to things like sexual harassment, for instance, you know, a single comment can be considered sexual harassment. A single action can be considered sexual harassment. And often when we're investigating something, we will come across somebody who has done something in the course of their work and and they were unaware that that behavior was inappropriate. Now, that's not an excuse for it. but it's about teaching everybody what's appropriate and what's not appropriate in work. And my view is that, you know, it's not a once-off job in the induction. It's not a once-off job when you introduce a policy. It's something that you should be doing every year, thinking about every year, training your managers every year, making your staff aware every year. Definitely. And there's a lot, a lot of important points raised there, Mary. So I'll dig a bit deeper into that actually in, in a couple of our later questions with a lot of a lot of stuff to explore there. 
one thing I would like to refer to before we jump into that, Megan, is you mentioned there about a policy having to be, I suppose, comprehensive. There's a lot of complex nuances and definitions. And I mean, there's a lot of different types of harassment, discrimination, all this kind of stuff. So I suppose the question, Megan, is how can organizations then ensure the policy kind of covers all the important complex complex, sorry, aspects, but also it, that it remains clear and accessible for employees? I know you mentioned things around examples and and clear definitions and stuff could you talk to us a little bit about that yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a big question to answer um because there's a lot to it i mean you break it down into its simplest form when we talk about being clear and it's accessible and we talk about the language that we use you know um and it seems obvious but you know is it written in a clear non-convoluted manner uh you know with clear sections for each part of the policy uh, like you touched on on their examples are going to be key um, both of what constitutes but also what doesn't constitute bullying harassment the new code on bullying is really helpful um, in defining this um, for us however it's not just about how the policy is worded and what's included that it's going to make it clear and accessible to employees so as the code details it should be developed in consultation with employees um, and how each organization chooses to do this is, is going to vary based on size, resource, that sort of thing. Um, in addition, as I've mentioned earlier, a comprehensive policy is going to be more than a few pages long. So how do we ensure employees can be clear on what it covers when it covers so much? And for me, and Mary's already touched on this, this is where training on dignity at work is so important. And in my view, it has to be training that links back to that policy and helps employees understand it. So not just generic training that doesn't know or understand your organization's own policy. Um, additionally, communication around the policy is clear, uh, is key. And I think Mary, you've touched on this as well already. So where and when do we share this with our employees? You know, Do we spend all this time drafting it, ensuring it's comprehensive, and then just issue it once and never speak of it again? No. So your policy should be reinforced and spoken about throughout an employee's employment. For example, in addition to onboarding, we would recommend you update and reissue your handbook once a year. Um, plus, you might reissue the Dignity at Work policy for staff parties or nights out throughout the year. And you might choose at some point in the year to focus and create awareness for maybe a day or a week on Dignity at Work um, and share the policy again as part of that. And um, last, but certainly not least, and I know, Mary, you've chatted about this too, it's about culture. Um, so the policy should help inform staff of the culture that is expected and hopefully already exists. Uh, a policy won't be considered clear or accessible by employees if what is happening on the ground is the opposite or not reflective of what's written on paper. And I think we should take this moment to use McDonald's um, as an example, so they're, they're in the news currently and sadly not for good reason with being accused of a culture that's marred by harassment and sexual harassment. And what we see happening now is outside experts are coming in to assess whether McDonald's escalation policy is exactly how you just asked me, is effective and accessible and how much the employees understand it and, and, and all those steps that I have mentioned are essential in, I suppose, being able to show that it is. Yeah, definitely. And look, I suppose another point that was raised, I think, over the past couple of weeks with discussions with Joe and Liam as well, Megan, was the 
I suppose the inclusion of that piece around what happens if. So let's say you think you're a victim of it, including that what happens if you want to report it or for perpetrators as well. What happens if you go through the disciplinary process, all that kind of stuff. So it is key to have those kind of additional bits and layers in there as well, Megan, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be um, it needs to be all encompassing um, for for both sides of the complaint. Absolutely. 100 percent. Perfect. So, and I suppose, Mary, I just wanted to dig back into that cultural piece because I know there's a lot of things you raised there and I want to just dig a little deeper because, as you said, it's, it's quite an important part of this whole thing, that kind of cultural piece. So, look, I suppose, as we said, implementing a policy is one thing and putting it up there on your internet, that kind of stuff is one thing. But embedding it effectively is, is obviously a whole other story altogether. So I suppose the question, Mary, is kind of what strategies and um, ways of doing things um, What's the advice you'd give HR professionals to, I suppose, kind of effectively embed this in the organization? And again, from, and I don't like saying the term top to bottom, but from that kind of top to bottom across all levels of the organization, any advice on that? Yeah, it's an interesting point. uh, And there's, you know, wide debate raging always about whether something should be top to bottom or grassroots up. Um, And I'm a real believer in, in, you know, culture. Um, and the creation of culture. Culture is very much informed by behavior that's tolerated. Um, So, you know, certainly in my experience, when we're coming in um, to investigate something, for instance, you know, the culture does play a significant role in what behaviors are actually tolerated in an organization. And so it's really important that everybody throughout the organization understands what's bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, and clearly understands um, the the ways in which they behave um, so that you're creating a culture um, where people are safe coming into the workplace and that's what everybody wants so I would say very much it starts with you know your your day one what are you doing in your induction program um, how are you handling dignity at work at the point of entry when someone enters the organization what are you telling them uh, is appropriate and inappropriate uh, appropriate and inappropriate in the workplace um, then it you look at well what kind of strategy can we employ so that everybody understands what behavior is acceptable and isn't acceptable outside of induction so you could look at um certainly training programs um for your managers and they could be done online they could be done in person but like megan i'm a real believer in in bespoke training um that you actually whoever is going to train your people, that they're very au fait with the organization, the possible things that might go wrong or the possible things that have already, you know, that you're aware of in HR uh, that might be an issue. And you focus your training of your managers in around those things, real life uh, things that might happen. And you bring that training to life instead of just bringing all your managers into a room going through a policy that's pretty dull and, you know, nobody really understanding what it actually means. 
then I would think about your communication methods and own. I know you're a real expert at this and we often talk about, you know, how do how do we make um, things like a discussion on policies and procedures interesting ourselves? Well, you do it by bringing it to life. Maybe you could have um, fireside type chats with the executive team about what they think is important in terms of a, a culture of respect in a business. You could look at your own internal podcasts. I know there's some great, um, you know, platforms out there that allow uh, an organization to do that. And you could, uh, you know, have stories um, and start storytelling around bullying and harassment because it, it, it makes it clear to people. If you know, for example, I'm just going to pick something uh, really simple. Um, you have male and female employees working together uh, in an organization and um, one person is attracted to another and asks that person for a date. And that person rejects that date and says, no, um, is it okay? to come back and ask again. Is it okay to persistently ask? And if the behavior is unwelcome from the recipient's perspective, that potentially could be considered sexual harassment. Okay, and that's very, very different to what might happen outside in your personal life. It's very different to what you might be able to do in a pub or in a bar in, in a hotel um, with someone you find attractive outside of work. But in work, that behavior is considered to be inappropriate. And um, so many people don't know that. So many employees don't know that. Um, and that's just a really simple example. You could have a, a group of employees sitting around um, a table in your canteen cracking jokes that are uh, discriminatory or that are sexual or that um, offend somebody in some way. And again, it's because it's about the recipient and how the recipient feels about it, not the intent of the uh, person who's made the joke. That person could find themselves accused of bullying, harassment, sexual harassment. And remember, when it comes to harassment and sexual harassment, a single incident can constitute it. So if somebody makes a racist joke um, in a canteen at a table and um, somebody else is offended by it, that one joke can be considered harassment. So. In my experience, time and time again, I find that people don't understand that. So from a HR perspective, what can you do to help people understand? You, you make it real. You bring it to life. You model the behaviors that you want to see in the organization. You're respectful at all times. You don't shout at people. You don't um, tolerate a culture where people are shouted at or embarrassed publicly. You know, it's all about... Um, the approach taken by the leadership, by the middle management uh, and the modeling of that behavior. So, um, Owen, I know you're a real believer in over communicating a message. Um, 
I know you've told me before, is it about seven times or something like that that you you need to? Yeah, there's an old marketing thing that's, yeah, there's, it's seven times before a message gets in. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not... Yeah, it's not it's specific science, but yeah, apparently it's, it's it's one of those things. Yeah. yeah, I know you and I have had these kind of discussions, mm. obviously relating to marketing, but I've uh, applied it to my practice as a HR professional and thought to myself, why is it time and time again that people don't understand that their behavior is inappropriate? Um, and I genuinely believe people when they tell me that, but say as an investigator, it's not my job to look at Owen and say, Owen is a lovely person. I'm sure he didn't mean to offend Megan, uh, who's also a lovely person, when he made that joke. And Megan is over the top and getting upset about it. That's not acceptable. I will come in and look at the code of practice, look at what you said, uh, speak to Megan about how she feels, and we could find that you had bullied, or sorry, not bullied, harassed or sexually harassed um, somebody by a single remark, comment, joke. So I think it's really important. How do you bring it to life? You could bring it to life through video. You could bring it to life by having posters in bathrooms. You could bring it to life by having posters uh, in toilet areas and, and canteens and all of these things, you have to look at how you communicate it. So if you imagine, how do we say seven times to our employees? In what way can we say seven times to our employees, this is not appropriate behavior? That might inform, right, what would I do? We've got induction one. We've got the uh, general awareness sessions that we do uh, with all employees two. Uh, we've got our policy three. Well, what else can you do? And, and that would be my question. What else can you do? Um, and I would, you know, maybe form a, a working group um, made up of a variety of individuals across the organization and come up with creative, innovative ideas around this. How can we communicate and, and have that kind of maybe watchdog or, or that uh, grouping that can help and support you build a positive culture? Um, whether you're a small business, uh, a large SME or a corporate, you can employ all these strategies to ensure that, that you're, you've got it right. And I think maybe as well, you could look at things like surveying and use your um, ongoing surveys just to take temperature, measure your baseline, check again um in three months check again in three months you know how, however often you're you're using surveys you can use it as a baseline to see where you're at and are you making improvements are messages understood definitely long-winded no, but such an important <laughs> point again and, and i suppose just on that just a couple of comments on it as well i suppose if you're lucky enough to have an internal comms person or department get in touch with them because they'll help you with that communication piece but we won't and if you don't have an internal comms person get one but I could spend an hour and a half on that we won't get into that now or, or come talk to us own exactly exactly if yeah. you don't have any of the above you can come talk to us because we'll help you look at your organization and uh, think okay if we want to communicate this seven times how are we going mm -hmm. to do it you know it doesn't have to be fancy that's it 100 percent. and look I suppose that's one big challenge and I suppose Megan then another challenge is and it's fantastic because we've seen so much progress in, I mean, policies and legislation over recent years. We've also seen policy 
around, I suppose, kind of multiculturalism in Ireland, um, gender, same-sex marriage, all these kind of things. It's all been fantastic progress across a lot of these areas, Megan. I suppose the challenge for policymakers then, though, within companies is how to make sure that the policies are inclusive, responsive to changing societal norms, laws, all that kind of stuff. So any advice on that kind of side of things, Megan? Again, it's a brilliant thing to have to do, but how do we just make sure we get it right? I think it comes down to essentially that, keeping up with those changing societal norms and laws. So um, understanding and keeping abreast of what constitutes dignity at work and keeping that policy up to date is key. It, It reiterates kind of previous points that I think both myself and Mary have made um up to now about um reviewing that policy um at least once a year and definitely reviewing it sooner if there's if there's bigger bigger changes afoot and it may only be a case of going in and adding an example or a reference or you know updating an example in a policy that can make a huge difference in in terms of inclusivity um, I think it's important that you listen to your staff too. I mean, they are they are our society, um, and that consultation piece um, can really help there. You know, if they're given a chance to voice their opinion before the policy is is live, um, it may help show if something has been missed or um, something hasn't been represented represented as well as it could be. Um, and that's, I suppose, where that cons- consultation piece is. Um, really important there's a lot of onus on us as HR professionals um, to keep up to date I think we've probably said it in many podcasts in the last uh, number of of weeks and months that there's so much um, so much to keep up on Um, and this topic is 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 no different absolutely definitely and look it's it's an important point to say there's a lot going on but hopefully podcasts like this can can help with that and just to provide, provide a bit of clarity on these things. Um, I suppose then just a, an additional question, Megan, before we kind of jump to the last bit. Um, we spoke, I know we've spoken a lot this month uh, ourselves, Megan, about the kind of supports and EAPs and all that kind of stuff. But I suppose my question, Megan, is what additional supports can an organisation provide building on the foundations that the policy provides, obviously, but these are tough situations for people. I mean, bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, it's not an easy process for anyone either side of the coin. Um, so is there any kind of additional support you'd suggest or kind of ways of doing things that would kind of, again, add on to that embedding policy, but also providing kind of safe space for people? Yeah, like I'm going to come back um, to training, 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 training. I can't say it enough. And you're going to be looking at different types of training to ensure dignity at work is covered at all levels um, within an organization. So general awareness for staff training for managers contact support person training as well um, you want your policy to practice what it preaches um, so dignity at work so then training has to be provided and then are we seeing that training translate into the workplace that's key to um, you know our employees just seeing that training as a tick box exercise and going out and practicing behaviors that you know, would constitute bullying or would constitute harassment because that's the culture. So, you know, have we built or do we need to work towards building a culture that supports the policy? You know, an open door culture, everyone being treated the same, equal, um, and, a, you know, a support that could help with that as well. And 
Mary touched on surveys and I think they're really good and a really useful tool. So um, an assessment of pre and post dignity of work training, you know, where you were at, um, you know, before you did the training and where you're at, at, at afterwards to, to kind of assess its effectiveness can be really helpful. Um, and then I suppose in terms of supports for if a complaint has come through and you find as an organisation yourself actually going through it, um, an EAP can be invaluable. I'm a real advocate for an EAP. I think it's a really um, important employee benefit to offer if if you can. Um, and it just gives employees an avenue of support if they find themselves, you know, as a complainant or as a respondent in a dignity at work investigation. Um, just an additional outside resource um, to, you know, support and protect a person's mental well-being um, as well is really key. 100% and a lot we can do. Um, so look, I suppose, Mary, final question to yourself then. Any kind of final advice on this topic, I suppose, for people who want to create or update or dignity at work policy? How often should they do it? Any kind of final advice on just the how-to, I suppose? Yeah. Um, it, well, it's it's get to it. That mm. That's one thing I will say. Unfortunately, we are still coming across people, uh, organisations that still have not updated their um, dignity at work policies in line with the new code of practice on uh, bullying. So, you know, getting to it is key. And, and look, I shout out to all those lone HR practitioners out there who are overloaded. We understand, we do get that, but it's still um, your responsibility to ensure that this document is updated, that it's reviewed, um, that it's taken seriously and that it's understood across the organisation. Um, but it's not just the lone HR practitioners out there either. Uh, we have clients, you know, from uh, small to large who have not updated their policies and procedures um, yet. And I would say to you that when you find yourself dealing with a complaint and uh, honestly at Insight HR we're not bought into organizations for everyday matters that can be handled internally we're bought into organizations when the situations are complex um, or there might be multiple complaints um, within an organization or things are so serious or involving such senior people uh, that they have no option but to bring in someone external and neutral to um, investigate it. Um, in my experience, it's not then that you need to be trying to introduce a policy uh, or panicking because you haven't updated your policy and the policy is old uh, and out of keeping. And, you know, there are some fundamental changes to that code of practice on bullying in particular, uh, involving preliminary screening and, and uh, informal resolution that you really need to be au fait with in HR to ensure that if a complaint crosses a desk, um, that or, or virtually these days but if you come across a complaint that you know how to deal with it appropriately that you are 
always abiding by your own policies and procedures in handling that complaint um, and that you're addressing matters early and proactively rather than waiting for something to happen in your organization. And look, I know that's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners out there because we know a lot of our listeners are are from the HR community. Um, and, you know, we have these to-do lists. Uh, we have them here in Insight HR. I remember them well from working in-house have these to-do lists and you're jumping and trying to get things done or maybe working on matters that you think are more urgent or important and might have a bigger impact on culture, might have a bigger impact on change, might have a bigger impact somewhere else and or recruitment, whatever it is, you know, it still needs to be done. And that's my advice. Get it done. 100%. And as we say, if you do need any help, consultation, any advice, on any part of this, do do please come to us because I suppose that's what we're here for. We're not just talking about this because we enjoy doing podcasts, even though we do. But we're good at this yeah. stuff. So that, so do do please come to us. So look, yeah, and you and you get to meet uh, Megan in person, and you know our HR services team in person. You know, it's one of the I think it's one of the nice things in terms of how we've set ourselves up at Insight HR because we have a belief in that one-on-one um, support. And that you know, it's Megan. If you if if Megan's assigned to your account, it's always Megan that you you're dealing with. And I, I think that's important too in terms of your provider's understanding of your organisation, of your culture, of what will work in your business in your sector um, as well. So that's just, I suppose, a shout out to to us in HR services, which um, Megan is part of that team. Yeah, 100% and looks so important to get to get it all right. So thank you, Mary and Megan, for a very insightful discussion. We covered a lot there. So I'm delighted to get your your inputs and your advice and everything on on that. I'm sure, as you said, it will resonate with a lot of our listeners. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So as I always say, don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Do feel free to reach out to us with any questions you do have as well on LinkedIn, Instagram, anywhere. We're everywhere. So do reach out to us. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today also directly at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Megan. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.